Good morning. Today's scripture reading is Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. I have the pleasure of introducing um, our guest uh, preacher this morning. Redemption, I mean, we have 10 congregations, so there's 30 or so pastors, uh, so many of us. Um, we meet once a week to discuss the passages that we're going to preach on Wednesday mornings. We also meet once a month um, just to get together and talk about things and understand what's coming ahead, what's what what we can be better at, all those kinds of things. And it's during those meetings that I we met Juan, who is uh, Juan Chavez, who's here with us this morning, is a tremendous preacher, just has a heart for the marginalized, for uh, children, young people. And, and I think that will come through this morning because he will share a few things um, with us. Juan actually comes from Alhambra, where Aaron came from last week. So they're just churning out preachers out there, I guess. Um, so we, 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 we are grateful for them. Juan, would you, would you come up? He's gracious to come drive down this morning to, to, as the world, uh, the Lord will use him to speak to us this morning. Juan, thank you. Thank you. Is this on? There we go. What's up, y'all? Good morning. All right. Well, I'm extremely uh, grateful to stand before you this morning. My wife and I and our three kids have really enjoyed the last 24 hours here in Tucson. And I really enjoyed walking up and meeting Forrest. That was, that, he swallowed my hand. Like, <laughs> that was a joy. You guys are extremely hospitable, uh, an extremely loving church. And we've been in prayer for you and are grateful to have the invitation to come and share this morning. As Marcus shared, you know, I did want to share some work that we're doing in Phoenix. The reason I want to share is because uh, recently some support has come in from Redemption Tucson to some nonprofit work that my wife and I do. So we run a nonprofit called AZ Reach. And what AZ Reach does is we uh, work in inner city high schools and we provide a free service to the school, mentoring high school students. The schools give us their most challenging students, and we sit with them over an eight-week period. We meet once a week during school hours. We sit in a circle. We call them cohorts, and we meet with anywhere from eight to 12 students at a time. And what we do is provide them leaders from the local church in the area, uh, leaders who are vouched for by their pastors, leaders who understand what it takes to develop relationships with high school students, and leaders who can experience and relate to the lives that these high school students are living. So we teach a curriculum around character qualities and life skills, and we build relationships. And the hope is through the relationships that we develop with these students, we share our faith, we share how Jesus has transformed our lives and what that could look like in their lives. And we envision them with what a flourishing community would look like. What would it look like to have dads that never walk out on their families? What would it look like to have husbands that stay committed in marriage? What would it look like to, to flourish in business and bless the community that you grew up in? So um, 
We, so I just want to share a couple pictures with you. So this first one is of Asia. So Asia, uh, we met Asia four years ago. She was a freshman. Now she just graduated her senior year. But she came in through Caesar's Closet, which is a huge room we have on one of our campuses, giving away clothes and shoes and hygiene products for free. She came and volunteered. And then we lost touch with her over COVID. And then when we came back on campus, uh, she was already a senior. So it was a joy seeing her again. And we invited her to Young Life Camp, where we scholarship her to go to camp. She heard the gospel. She got convicted. One of our leaders was sharing about uh, the, the reign of Jesus in our hearts. The Holy Spirit convicted Asia. She came to faith. And now she is spending the entire month of June at Young Life Camp serving, giving back. She'll go to her last camp in July, and then she'll go on to uh, the service after that. She's been in JROTC for all four years of high school. So pray for Asia. But it's a joy to see stories like that. And then one of our other high schools, so there's three high schools we're in that are seconds away from Redemption Alhambra. That's just God's favor having us on those campuses. And uh, one of those high schools we're in, we've, we had two students come to our recent baptism at Redemption Alhambra, and, and they got baptized. And that's Cam that's Jalen right there. So Jalen got baptized. That's Pastor Aaron. You guys heard from him last Sunday. And then the other one is Cam. And those are just students that we've been able to develop relationships with. Uh, Rosh Dojoasin, who is the youth pastor at Redemption Alhambra, he volunteers with us, and he's developed some amazing relationships with these guys. We invite them to church, and, and, uh, and we got to celebrate with them on that day. So we're grateful and uh, just want to invite you in to pray for us, to pray for AZ Reach and pray for the work that God has called us to, pray for the new schools that will be in next school year. And I want to ask specifically if you will pray with us on a community home that we've been um, working toward the last couple of years. We're extremely close to getting that. We just, uh, we're trusting God that he'll continue to provide, but this community home will be a safe haven in walking distance to Cesar Chavez High School. Uh, which is where we serve most of our students. And uh, two of our staff will run that home. They're a married couple. They'll run that home every day. They'll feed students, provide a safe space, do Bible studies there, hang out, and continue to do life with students. So please join us in, in prayer for that. And thank you. So uh, Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Uh, so two verses, and they're fun verses. When I looked at these verses, I'm like, for real, y'all going to bring me in to preach on this? <laughs> but I'm willing to, you know, catch some heat because you, you ain't going to see me no more. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, so let's get into it. Uh, let's, before we, we start in verse 18, I do want to give a brief uh, recap of Colossians. I think a good subtitle, which is one that uh, Redemption has given to the book of Colossians is, the supremacy of Christ in all of life. And we see that if, if you were to put the entire book of Colossians in a word cloud, uh, you would see Christ highlighted first above everything else. And I think we have that word cloud right there. So you see Christ in the center highlighted most throughout that book. And as we look at the life of Jesus and everything that Colossians teaches, we're instructed that we are to live in a different way now. Christ is supreme, and because of that, he conducts the way we live. Our entire lives are shaped and formed by Jesus and his ways. I also want to highlight that this 
This book was written as a single letter that was meant to be read to the church from beginning to end. And, you know, you're coming in Sunday after Sunday hearing different portions of this, and, and maybe it's your first Sunday in this series, or maybe you've skipped a few, but if you come in and just simply hear this text today, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, you could be feeling some type of way about that. But that's not the way that the letter was originally intended. It's supposed to be read from beginning to end. You know, so I, I do want to encourage you to continue to, to go back and read through the book of Colossians to get a full context of, of, of why Paul is saying what he's saying, because it will help you in understanding the book in its fullness. And, uh, and today's text that we're getting into is one of two family-focused studies that flesh out how households should treat one another in light of who Jesus is and what he's done. Pastor Keith is going to continue that second part in the family focus study next Sunday, and then he's going to preach again the following Sunday, and I do want to invite you to pray uh, for him in those areas. Pray for your pastors as they come up and teach. And, and before we get into Colossians, I, I want to point out that 1 Peter 3 and Ephesians 5 are other portions of Scripture that teach similar things. We don't just find this teaching on wives and husbands in Colossians but we find it through different books of the Bible. And what's really interesting is that Ephesians 5, which is a really popular one, if you read prior to the portion that talks about husbands and wives, right before that, Paul is, is teaching very similar things that we find in Colossians 3. So, so right before husbands and wives in Ephesians, he starts talking about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs over one another. And then we get to Colossians, and right before husbands and wives, Paul is talking about the exact same thing, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs over one another. And, and that's getting at this spirit-filled, spirit-lived life, that apart from the Holy Spirit, abiding in us, dwelling in us, living through us, transforming our desires, it's impossible to live these ways. It's impossible to submit to one another, to love one another, to live out the fruit of the Spirit, apart from the Spirit. This is meant to be lived out in a communal way, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I just found that very interesting that you see those similarities. And before you singles in here, check out. Please do not, because this, this is a sermon for you as well. This is scripture for you as well. Whether you plan on getting married in the future or whether you plan on never getting married, keep in mind that the author of this book was a single man who had no children. And keep in mind that these principles that he's teaching are applicable for all of Christians, regardless of if we're married or not or plan on getting married or not. And we also view this text through, through the lens of the reality that, that we are brides. Christians, together, we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the husband, our husband, the church's husband. So these are applicable teachings for all of us in, in the way we live. These statements, wives, submit to your husbands, Husbands, love your wives. These are countercultural statements. 
And they came across as hard to swallow in the first century, and they're coming across as hard to swallow today. Wives submit to your husbands in the first century. That was easy. That, that wasn't a problem. That didn't, people didn't trip over that. Husbands love your wives in the first century? That's weird. That's countercultural. Paul is speaking in a countercultural way, challenging husbands. And then we fast forward to today. Wives submit to your husbands, extremely controversial, extremely weird, extremely challenging. That's not what we're used to hearing in our culture. Husbands love your wives. That's easy. Of course they should love their wives. But these are countercultural statements both then and today, and we can't avoid them. We have to address them as Scripture addresses them. And I do want to highlight that, lastly, before we start in verse 18, that the reason, part of the reason, not the entire reason, but part of the reason wives submit to your husbands is so hard for us is because that this text has been abused. This text has been leveraged by men, by husbands, to abuse power, to abuse their wives, to hold on to power, which is not Christ-like at all. Because we're sinful and broken people, they've, they've done this. It's happened within the church, and that's made it difficult for, for us to come across this and, and read it together. And we'll get into some of that as we go through this text. So let's start in verse 18. Paul says, wives. Paul is not saying women submit to all men. Paul is speaking directly to wives, calling on them to submit to their husbands. And Paul is addressing the wives directly. In this culture, women were not addressed directly in this way. And Paul is speaking to the wives. He is recognizing them in a countercultural way. And by speaking to the wives directly, he is drawing out their value. He is drawing out their dignity and their worth. So while today's culture would see this text as looking down on women, Paul actually meant it to look up on women and to highlight their value and their worth. Paul is not saying here, wives obey, which was typical in, in Roman households. Paul is not saying wives Never share your thoughts or opinions. Paul is not saying, wives, your worth and value is less than your husband's. Paul instead is using the word submit. And healthy synonyms for submit are respect or to yield. And, and Paul is suggesting an, an ordering which wives should align themselves with and respect the leadership of their husbands. We have to note also that, that Paul is not saying, husbands, make sure your wives submit to you. 
This is not a forced submission. In its original language, this word submit is a willing submission, not a forceful submission. The desire is that the the wives of those husbands would, would willingly, would desire to submit, that their husbands would be leading and loving in such a Christ-like way that there is a desire to want to follow, to respect, to submit to that style of leadership. It's a willing submission, not a forceful one. And that looks different in every marriage. I think, it's, I think a healthy question is, how does my husband feel respected? What does that look like in, in our marriage? I think there's some general ways that can align with all marriages, but it doesn't look all the same. There's no cookie-cut way. As Pastor Aaron said last week, this isn't so much of a science as it is a song as it is a rhythm, as it is trying to catch a melody and listening and aligning ourselves with with one another in a song-like way. And then we see in the part B of, of verse 18, Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This is important, y'all. Very important, and this is something that has been missed as folks have abused and leveraged this text in sinful ways, as is fitting unto the Lord. Paul roots his instruction in Jesus time and time again. We'll see it a lot in in verse 3 and in chapter 3. We see it a lot in the book of Colossians. We see it in the book of Ephesians. We see it throughout Paul's writings. He is rooting all of this in the instruction of the Lord. And by doing so, he is stressing the importance of evaluating everything in light of Christ and his teaching. Which means there is no room here for any physical or verbal abuse. There is no room for that. There is no way to justify any type of abuse with this text, which unfortunately women have experienced. Women and wives in the church have experienced the abuse of this text. wrongly justifying any type of abuse because you're supposed to submit. That's wrong. And it would be wrong of me or any pastor to stand here and say otherwise. So to our women in relationship and to our wives, if any such type of abuse is taking place in your marriage, I want to encourage you to seek out a pastor, to seek out leadership, to seek out counseling, to seek out help, both for you and your husband. It would be a gracious act toward your husband because 
the Lord does discipline those whom he loves. And I do want to encourage you to seek out that help, or if you know anyone experiencing that. Because we do view everything through the lens of Christ and his teaching and his ways, we see no no type of abuse in, in Jesus. And the hope here, family, is that the husbands are first submitted to Christ. As wives are called to submit to their husbands, the hope is that husbands would be submitting to Christ. And as they submit to Christ, their leadership, their way of life, their words and their actions would all be in line with the ways of Jesus because they're submitted to Jesus. And from that, the wives would desire to fall in line and follow and do life with their husbands as we follow Christ together. And of course, this type of leadership should be rooted in love, which Paul takes us to in verse 19. As we go from wives to husbands, Paul says, husbands, love your wives. And as we look at Ephesians 5, we'll find a very small amount of Scripture devoted to the wives and then a large amount of Scripture devoted to the husbands, not because husbands are more important at all. We are equal. One is not above the other. We are equal. But husbands are called to a lot more responsibility when it comes to standing before the Lord in the way we love and lead our families. And Paul says, husbands, love your wives. Again, he is not saying, wives, make sure your husbands love you. He's speaking directly to the husbands and calling them out to love. This word love is a heavy, heavy word. So much of the New Testament is filled with this word love. We'd be sitting here all day trying to highlight every single verse that mentions love. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians starts with love. And love serves, serves as the foundation to the rest of the fruit. Love at its foundation, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all rooted in love. The greatest commandment that Christ teaches is to love God and to love people. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have the famous wedding chapter, right? And it goes on to say that we can have all the faith in the world, but if we don't have love, we are nothing. We can sacrifice everything we've got. But if we have not love, we gain nothing. Jesus confronts Peter. As Peter denied Jesus, Jesus confronts him and says, Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Teaching that love is the prerequisite for all ministry. 
It doesn't start with gifts and abilities and talents. It starts with love. Jesus teaches that there is no greater love than that of one laying down his life. And of course, Jesus follows that by laying down his life. 1 Corinthians 13, there remains faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Love is the opposite of harshness, which Paul teaches in verse 19. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Love is the opposite of harshness. Or other versions give the meaning of growing bitter toward your wife or making your wife grow bitter toward you because you lack love. Henry Drummond wrote a book called The Greatest Thing in the World. It's a really, really small book, but it is filled with richness and depth on love. And when it comes to harshness, he pins that against gentleness and the way we're supposed to love one another, the way husbands are supposed to love their wives in a gentle way. And Henry, Henry Drummond says, you know the meaning of the word gentleman. It means a gentle man. A man does not a man does things gently with love. That is the whole art and mystery of it. The gentle man cannot, in the nature of things, do an ungentle, an ungentle manly thing. The ungentle soul, the inconsiderate, unsympathetic nature, cannot do anything else. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love, which we are called to do, and especially husbands toward their wives, is what we see embodied and lived out in the life of Jesus. Sacrifice, kindness, gentleness, compassion, humility. Jesus did not only teach these things, but he lived them out. Paul Miller says that love and action are intertwined. You cannot have one without the other. If you love, you will act on that love. And if we read back, which Pastor Aaron preached on last week, we see that Paul says, and above all these, put on what? Love. Above all these, put on love, he says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That harmony, that song, that sound. Does, does the way your husband live 
sing Jesus? Do the way we treat one another, that's a different harmony in another song. The timing of that, God is good. God is, come on, God has a sense of humor too. <laughs> but when it comes to that harmony, which Paul says, love binds everything together in perfect harmony in a song-like manner, do our actions sound like Jesus? Do they look like Jesus? Does the tone that we're singing match that of Jesus? Is, is it a harmony of love? Is it a Christ-like harmony? Husbands, does your wife feel loved by you? And in what ways does your wife feel loved most? And what does that look like in your marriage? As we prepare to come to a close here, we've got to keep in mind that these two verses are coming off the hills of chapter 3, 5 through 17, where, where Paul is teaching, we have put off the old nature and we have put on a new. That old way about us, harshness, anger, malice, obscene talk, that's the old man. We are dead to that person. And if we're living in those ways, we will have broken relationships, not just in marriage, but in family, in the church, in society. Instead, we are to live in this new way. We are to put on the new. We are to put on the love. We are to put on the peace. And all these things that Colossians 3 mentions in the new life are to be lived out. And when we live in those ways, we see healthy relationships, healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy churches, healthy communities, healthy neighborhoods, healthy cities. But all of that way of living is only empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's not something we strive to do and can make happen on our own. We, we naturally bend toward the old man. But as we are all submitted to Christ, as we are all abiding in Jesus, as he teaches in John 15, as we abide in the vine, as we kneel in the presence, as we seek Jesus, as we ask God to continue to cleanse us, to make us new, and the Holy Spirit can live through us in this way, in that, in that new nature that Paul is reminding us that we are all living in. And as we look to Jesus as our example, we see a man who submitted and a man who loved. We see in Jesus Christ submission to the Father. Even when he didn't want to. Even when he said, Father, if you could remove this cup from me, please do. But not my will, your will be done. We see submission. Submission to the Father. 
When Jesus says, it's not my words you're hearing, but the Father who speaks to me. That's submission. Jesus was always pointing to his Father. And we see in Jesus not only submission, but we see love. We see it while he walked the earth, down to the moment when he washed his disciples' feet, got on his knees, took dirty feet in his hands, and washed them. And then we see it lived out in his sacrifice on the cross. Love that drove him to that crucifixion. Love that as he was being nailed, as he's dying, as he's naked and ashamed, to say, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he's dying, for him to say, take care of my mother. This is now your mother. Make sure she's taken care of. Love. That was his song. That was his entire life. We see that example. So we can look to Jesus as our example as we strive to live in this way with one another. And we got to keep in mind that first and foremost, Jesus submitted and loved so that you and I can be made right with God again. So that you and I who were alienated from the Father can be reconciled back into right standing with God. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus accomplished. And I say that because 14 years ago, I walked into a church and I heard about the message of Jesus for the first time on Father's Day in 2008. And Jesus Christ rescued and redeemed my life. The Holy Spirit met me where I was and wrecked me and drew me to him. And maybe there's one person in here today that came, you were invited, and God has been tugging on your heart. Or maybe you've wandered away. You knew God, but you've walked away. And God is being relentless in drawing you back. You've got to be reminded that Jesus Christ submitted to the Father with love so that you would be made new. He is a loving and gracious, a forgiving, a kind and just God. And he desires to see you back in his flock. So would you accept Jesus as he is tugging on your heart? And for for all of us, church, as we strive to live this out, may Jesus Christ be our aim. May the Holy Spirit be the power in which we live. And may love be what drives us. Let's pray together. Father, our God, our mighty, our good, our kind, our just and gracious God, 
Lord, thank you for your word that challenges us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make it possible to live this out. Apart from you, we are nothing but a branch. You are the vine, Jesus. Would you abide in us as we abide in you and help us live in this way? Would you teach us what this looks like? This is a difficult text in our culture. Would you, Holy Spirit, give discernment? Would you give wisdom? Would you give guidance? Would you teach us how to live this out? Would you help us hear your voice? Help us listen to the tone of Jesus. Listen to that rhythm of the melody of Jesus. Help us know your voice and listen and obey. Let let any way that this text could be used for power or for leverage for abuse be done away with. Let that not be possible, God, but let us hold to your word, empowered by your spirit, in a way that glorifies you, that points to you, Jesus, and that others can look at and be drawn to you as a a result of the way we love and live with one another. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.